Hello everybody, welcome back inside the Shark Tank for the third time in four weeks to start the season. We are coming to you off the back of a sale victory and coming to you with the motive of job done. That was enough. Sale ran out 24 points to 10, winners over Gloucester on Friday night. It was bad weather. Uh, we saw a, a cabal of a returning international stars for sale. It didn't really matter. It was a bit of an arm wrestle, uh, but ultimately sale did more than enough, not only to win, but pick up. Uh, that bonus point that we were talking about being so important uh, last week. Uh, my name is Lewis, and joining me this week is my co-host Alex. Alex, how, how are you feeling off the back of uh, a return to winning ways for sale? Yeah, really positive actually, mate. It's um, you know I think we said last week that we don't didn't want to get too down about one loss, and, and equally you probably don't want to get too excited about one win, but. As you said, it was really a case of job done, really professional. I think to get the four tries in those conditions was really important. And I am very, very happy with that because that's obviously been a challenge, something we haven't done this season. So if I always get a try bonus point. Um, So to come away from that kind of game, you know, you can talk about um, the kind of Gloucester team. It wasn't wasn't a massively strong Gloucester team. compared to what they've been putting out recently. I don't know whether that was kind of tactical from them or, you know, uh, whatever. We obviously had a lot of people coming back in, as you mentioned, which takes a bit of time to adjust. So I think you naturally expect there's not going to be complete fluency in the game when you're bringing in a 10 and a two big decision-making positions. Um, But overall, I think, you know, we saw some really good performances. We, as you said, got the job done in pretty horrendous conditions. So, you know, I think... If you see those games where it's chucking it down, obviously before the game, you know, in the pod last week, we're going, yeah, we really like a bonus point. That'd be really good. Um, as soon as it starts raining like that, I think you have to really temper those expectations because it just makes it so hard to execute uh, at that speed, you know, with the intensity of defences in the Premiership these days. Um, so I think to kind of get that over the line and get the actual uh, try bonus point in addition to a win because I think the win's you know obviously more important but the win's the crucial thing so to get a try bonus point as well is a real bonus and a really good way to start the weekend I think for for sale fans so yeah feeling very positive actually overall and and I think we saw some very promising performances from people who'll be quite important for us for the rest of the season didn't we yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about uh, Augustine Creevy, who obviously made his debut and, and turned in a basically man-of-the-match performance. Um, but I think you're right. Like oh, On the whole, when you, see, when you see Friday night, and I know the club has made a, a big deal about the fact that you know, Friday night is going to be the, the, the main focus this year for our home games. You know, when you see the conditions, you see a, a Gloucester team that, that have been going okay, but you know, certainly have the capacity to bring us surprise. You know, to to run away with with five tri- uh, to run away with five points, four tries, and you know a fourteen point winning margin. Particularly when actually you know George Ford had a bit of an off day from the kicking tee, left a couple of points out there. It was all very comfortable for sale. It really felt like we just got back to our old ways from last season, the season before of just squeezing teams, um, and this Gloucester team. Look, you know, they, they, they battled well. They, they fronted up really well, particularly for that first 40 minutes. But that sort of, that sort of second Aaron retry 
you know, about 35 minutes in. Um, obviously comes off the, off the back of, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a tactical kick from Sale. Um, it just felt like a bit of a bit of a hammer blow for them. And it kind of felt like the game was done at that point. And I think that's such a testament to where Sale are at, just generally, uh, and have been over the last couple of years. But also um, how consistent we've been able to be, where at, going in at half-time, 12 points to three in the lead, it really felt like Gloucester weren't going to lay a glove on us. And I think that's such a massive testament to where, where this team is. Yes, Gloucester probably probably a little bit weakened. Um, you know, and, and there was obviously some selection calls. No, no Lewis Ludlow, for example, that, that got mentioned on BT, or TNT Sports, I should say now. Um, you know, no Rapava Ruski and et cetera, et cetera. And it did feel like maybe they'd, they'd, they'd had one eye, you know, on, uh, on next week and, and going back home to King's home. But we know, even with all that considered, it's still just such a such a dominant win, really, for Sale. We we had it, you know, sort of in hand for for most of the game, and ultimately, I actually don't think the scoreline flattered us. You know, there, there's a very very late try for for Gloucester where um, there's obviously a charge down from a Sale player. I can't remember who it is, but it puts everyone on side. Mark Atkinson picks up the ball in acres of space, and it's an easy sort of three on two to send uh, Thomas in under the posts. But that that aside, Gloucester never really threatened too significantly. And if we were here talking about a twenty-four points to three win, I think that'd be a ve- that'd be a very fair reflection of just just how just how tight you know we we controlled the game. And I think that's a really good sign, especially off the back of losing by forty-three points the week prior. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think that's the that's the key point, isn't it? That we talked last week about. We were a bit worried about the defense having conceded forty three points. What's going on? Is it a system, you know like is that an issue? We were worried about kind of as you say, managing the game and staying in games. It's not a it's a real off performance that last week against Exeter. So it's come back and kind of almost fix everything straight away. Now, obviously, very different team we're playing and, and very different conditions, and you know being at home rather than being away. Um, so there's a lot of factors changed there, but I don't think the team could have done much more to kind of allay fan concerns about that extra performance than, than putting that performance they did. And I think you're right that, you know, as you said, George Ford had a pretty rubbish day from the tee. So actually we should have scored more points and, and you know, got to get one lucky try, um, obviously well executed. I mean, you could argue we got one lucky try with Reedy as well, but I think you're right that that kind of, there's probably at least a 20 point gap between these two sides. Um, and I think it felt like that on on the night, and and when you watch it back, you know it's it's the same. It just feels we we kept them at arm's length, and it was such a sort of professional and, and well executed job, and, and nothing flashy. And you can't be flashy in conditions like that. Um, but just really, really good managing the conditions, managing the game, and and it's a return to kind of the sale we saw of last season, where we almost just quietly go and pick up a a win a really good win and a try bonus point. And you still feel like there's stuff in the tank. You know, you still feel like this isn't the final product of this sale team, but we've just quietly gone, done our job on a Friday night, take that home, go into kind of next weekend. And um, I think that's a really positive sort of way to be for the sales side that, you know, we, we are we're playing well. We've got an attack that is functioning well enough to kind of be scoring three or four tries a game. Um, we've got a fence that we know is really solid and 
I think it's a really big thing for the group mentally to kind of go and put that extra result properly to bed. Because I think, you know, as we said as fans, it was a pretty horrible day out, but we we kind of put it to bed in the podcast last week and almost went, okay, that's done. You know, it was clearly a one-off. It wasn't like there's some, you know, it was just so such an aberration that it's it's gone. But it's really, really good, as I say, for the players to kind of go out and put in a performance like that because it does completely move the conversation on. And it moves it back to three wins from four. Bearing in mind, we lost to Exeter last season, so we're in the same position as last season in terms of who we've beat and where. Um, so it's it's a very encouraging kind of start to the season continued, I think. And that's the real good thing for me, that it is that bounce back. And it's we always used to talk about, in the Dimes era, it was we had these runs and then we had these off moments where you know we'd lose and lose and lose and then we'd go back on a bit of a winning run and or we'd be bouncing up and down win loss win loss and i think what you see now is a team that wins habitually and has an off day and loses occasionally and and the fact that they can then bounce back and go back into yeah we are winners and we're just going to keep winning um is really encouraging for me and i think it's such a such a compliment to kind of everything Alex Sanderson's done but also this squad and, and how they approach things um so that's a big positive for me that kind of mentality shift yeah and I've, I've got a question for you because I'm interested to get your thoughts on it but obviously Sale welcomed back Bevan Rod who played 59 minutes George Ford played the entire 80 um there's someone else in there Ben Curry obviously comes back from from injury he made his first first appearance for six months obviously Tom Curry didn't he he got a rest but obviously, Sale sort of brought back, well, they didn't sort of, they did. They brought back a number of international players, obviously, August, Augustin Creevy, uh, you know, fresh off, you know, a World Cup bronze medal game, you know, comes in and plays the full 18 minutes. We, we'll touch upon him in a bit. Obviously, Sale kind of came back and it was clear that, you know, this was a game, this was a get right game. Um, but then you kind of look at that Gloucester team, and I know it touched upon it before, but obviously, yeah, no Ludlow, no Mercer. Uh, no Stephen Varney, who's obviously you know an international, um, and there was a sense that Gloucester had almost written this one off, you know. And it's a, that's a big thing. That's a big call to to make. Obviously, you know, no team of uh, uh, you know tries to you know tries to do anything but put the best foot forward to win at least on the field. But there was a, a real sense, and it, it did kind of come through whilst you're watching the game, that this was a sort of Gloucester, you know, 1A one, 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 one team. This is, a you know, a, a Gloucester 1.5. Um, you know, not not risking Ludlow, not risking Mercer for a game that presumably they thought they couldn't win. And I want to get your thoughts on that, Alex, because I'm going to keep going back to this, by the way, listeners, but... At the start of the season, we kind of said, you know what, actually, uh, a reduced premiership might not be the worst thing in the world. It might actually be a blessing in disguise where you just have this almost like sprint to the finish. It's going to be like 20, 20 games, 19, uh, uh, 18 games, whatever it is now, um, where you're basically going to have like test match style quality because all your internationals will be available, no overlap with Six Nations. And actually, the, the product... You know, unfortunately, because of London Irish and Wasp disapp- and Worcester disappearing, might actually start to get even better. And it's a pretty good product already. But then you see a game like Fridays, where it, it felt like a game that Gloucester weren't prioritising, and it felt like 
the right result, obviously, because Sale on paper were the strongest, are the stronger team when everyone for both teams is fit. But it really felt like we were already six to ten points ahead even before the first ball had been kicked. That's how I kind of see it. What what did you make of it? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it is an interesting um, point around reducing those teams should make for every game being really competitive. And I think you have seen that over the season that the league's very competitive. But for a team to kind of come to sale and go, well, it's Friday night at sale, you know, we're going to struggle, so let's not play our big names, um, is a really interesting approach. And I don't think we've seen that from a lot of teams. And I don't think that's harsh on Gloucester. I think you know, it's pretty obvious from who they pitched and who they didn't, unless there's been a raft of injuries, that there's some big names missing. Um, and it's a, definitely a compliment to Sale, because I think, you know, it's the sort of thing we used to do away at Sarri's, for example. You go, oh, well... I'm not going to risk Manu away at Sarri's on a 4G pitch because, you know, probably going to get battered anyway um, back in the day. Um, maybe not when Manu's been here. I think mentality's changed since then. But you know what I mean? Injuries for players. I was going to say, we might, have to, we might have to downgrade a couple of levels there in terms yeah. of players. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think, who, who was playing 12 for, for sale before Manu? Yeah, that is a great question and one I probably couldn't answer because my na- mind immediately goes Sammy Tuitupo, but I think that was 10 years ago and I'm just living in the past. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think, yeah, there's never really any overlap between them because I went Johnny Leota, but I also don't think, I think he retired about yeah. six, seven years ago. I think, yeah, I think you're back with me in 2013 at the Pembroke <laughs> Cup final. Um, yeah, it's really, it, it's going to be really obvious and we're both just having a mind blank here. Um, but anyway... So, yes, this comes back to the point that it's the sort of thing we used to do at Sarri's, and I think it's quite good that we are now seeing us not have to do that um, away at Sarri's, for example, but also that teams are coming to us and do it. And let's be honest, I mean, I can't remember the last time Gloucester came to sale and put in a really good performance, and it's not been a happy hunting ground for them. The last time I remember them winning was uh, when Rob DeBria missed a last-minute kick on base. I think his first appearance for sale. Um, or maybe his first appearance back after the loan. Um, so that's probably, what, three or four seasons ago. And, and Gloucester won by a point, but it was first game of the season, I'm sure. Um, and I think if you go back before that, it's kind of, you know, they've always struggled. We obviously had that 57-10 or whatever that scoreline was back in the day. Um it's. I don't think it's a completely mad idea from them to kind of go. Well, listen, you know, this is sail away on a Friday night. The weather's crap. It's going to be cold and rough up north. Let's just, you know, put a team out and give them. And and you know, the worst that can happen is well, probably what happened that they they lost and and they got some. As you said, I think they fronted up really well. I think there's a massive load of exposure for those young guys. Depends where you are in your kind of journey to not sound to uh, management speak, but you know. Sale, there's no point us putting out a rubbish team because we can win the league this season. So, you know, we're not trying to um, we're not trying to kind of you know develop these young players in games like that where we're writing them off for a loss. We are kind of developing a team that wants to win and win and win. So we're not going to do that. Whereas I think for Gloucester, maybe if you you know, if that is the approach and it's kind of you know George Barton is the future, let's give him the game at ten in the idea that two seasons time he'll come to sale again and he'll you know 
it'll be in a much better place. Um, it's very different, but I think for sale, that is, you have to say that as a compliment, but also a bit of a challenge to go, okay, well, if you're going to put out a weekend team, we are going to put a try bonus point past you. And obviously that's what we've done. So I think that's a real sort of, again, I keep talking about these shifts, but I think we have to appreciate, and I think we'll probably appreciate it later down the line, how different this club is now to the one we started talking about four or five years ago when we started doing this podcast. And, and, and that club hadn't changed. You know, that was the same club that had been for 10, 12 years, same team that had been for 10, 12 years. It was dimes through and through. It was the underdogs, but we're never going to win the league. And, and I just think you have to appreciate now what a different position we're in. Um, and it seems how much more sustainable this is compared to, you know, the old days of 2005, 2006, which was definitely a, we're going to have one season, we're going to win the league and then, uh, okay, we're done now. Let's move on. I have remembered who was 12. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, a little little rugby player by the name of Rohan Janzi van Rensburg. Yes, of course, obviously. And we had James O'Connor as well, didn't we, in your dream, AJ Minty, James O'Connor pair. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's, that's a, that, that. That one's for the real short tank heads. That, that's, a, that's a throwback for three, four years now. Uh, good Lord. <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course, Rohan, Vanzi, Rohan Janzi van Rensburg. Um a really good example, actually, of a player who was fairly injury prone, um, and a player who, again, you, you, when he was in your team, you were very confident he was going to win you some games, but not. But it was also the sort of player who you wouldn't risk going down to Saracens because he's probably not good enough to, you know, to bridge that gap. So there you go. There's a there's a little blast from the past. We should do more of that. Talk about just exhale players because it's that is good content. Um, let's remember some guys. Um, speaking of remembering some guys, however, um, let's talk about sales returning contingent. And look, I think George Ford obviously is it, it, this team goes as goes as George Ford goes. That's the reality. That's he was brought in to help us help us win the Premiership. Pretty solid first game back. I think managed conditions well. A couple of spiral bombs in there. You know, with with a, a player as talented as an experience as that, that's such a big leap between you know what Gloucester are able to you know put out. Um, young, oh, what's his uh, what's his first name? Uh, is it Tom Barton? George, I think. George Barton. Sorry, apologies, George. Um, you know, George Barton looks looks a decent you know handy little handy little player. Um, but he's 22, and there's a handful of you know appearances. Whereas you've got George Ford, who's played in World Cups and etc. Et I thought he, he managed the game really well, and it's it's those areas where you could really see the difference, particularly in poor conditions. Obviously, Bevan Rudd comes back, has a really good stint for for 60 minutes. I thought he went very well. Ben Curry comes back and uh, comes back after injury. His first touch is basically the uh, the in fact it might have been his actual first touch is the the try from the back of the rolling mall. Uh, basically straight after he comes on, so really good there. But the player that we want to highlight of all the players who are coming back from the World Cup, it's it's got to be uh, it's got to be Gus Creevy, who went eighty minutes. Remember, he's thirty nine, I think. Let me check that. Um, he's in his late thirties. Uh, he's just been playing in the World Cup, albeit only a few minutes off the off the bench. You know, in in most games, Montoya usually plays the majority of the games for for the Pumas now. Um, but he was absolutely fantastic. He was everywhere. His darts were accurate at the line out. He obviously gets a try for himself off the back of a, 
a rolling mall. It's a good finish as well off the back of the rolling mall. He, he sort of takes it six, seven metres himself. Um, he had an absolutely fantastic game. And we, we spoke last week about the issues that, that we had, you know, when Creevy's not available and Cowan Dickey's not available and Tommy Taylor's not available, you know, how quickly we are down to, you know, Nathan Langdon and Harry Thompson. Uh, just getting Creevy back, you just saw straight away what a difference it made. And he was, you know, he, he was integral to sales win in a way that I actually think uh, was, was more important than, you know, George Ford, Bevan Rod and, and Ben Curry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is one of the big differences we can talk about between last week and this week is that massive, massive kind of experience shift in, at, at Hooker and just around the park. You know, as you said, he, we know he's an absolute weapon from the back of wall, malls. Um, we saw that many times for London Irish against Sale. I have less than fond memories of them getting five metre line outs and thinking, yeah, this is another try. Um, so... You know that is a big, a big difference. But also, I think the experience he brings around the pitch, as you said, and and I think James, who obviously can't be with us today, but what wanted to say it as well, it was, it was just superhuman performance. And and the fact he didn't get man of the match is is a bit baffling. Um, but it's such a crucial position for Sale, and I think, you know, obviously we've got good hooker stocks. We've got. Gus Creevy, Luke Cavendicky, Tommy Taylor, but with kind of, you know, with Tommy Taylor having held, held the side up, basically, literally, for the first two rounds. Um, Luke Cavendicky, obviously, still coming back from a pretty serious injury. To have a player like Gus Creevy, who is just a, a war horse and, and will just go for 80 minutes and, and just do it and not complain about it. Um, and as you said, for late 30s, still an incredible Nick, like looks like he's still in his 20s. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's such an impressive performance. It's it's exactly why you sign someone like that to kind of go into a, a, a game like that as well. Just that, that kind of, you know, I'm going on about the weather and all that, but just the conditions and the, the expectations and someone to come in and do that kind of professional job um, is really, really impressive. Um, so I think that is a a hell of a debut, let's put it like that, and one that gives you a lot of encouragement for what we're going to see from from Creevy over the next rest of the season. And you do think, you watch performance like that and you think he's not done at the end of the season. I think he's on a one-year contract, isn't he? And yeah. you definitely have to think, unless something goes badly wrong, well, there's a real deterioration over the next six months. He could definitely be doing this this time next season. I am sure of it. Well, he's yeah. So he's thirty eight. This is his age thirty nine season. So he's thirty nine in uh, in March. Um, but you're right. Like he he looks as good now as he did ten years ago when he was playing for Worcester. Um, and in a team, you know, a team like Sales, where I, I think actually the the, the mix between youth and experience is actually really good. I think that's, I mean, that's a big reason why we are so close to the top of the league each year. He brings something very unique and very different by being so experienced and having played in so many different games and different um, styles, but he's just been amazingly effective everywhere. And he was such a massive part of what London Irish have been able to do the last couple of years. Um, you know, he scored 28 tries for them in 68 games. 
that is, I knew he'd scored a lot, but that is unbelievable, isn't it? For uh, yeah. well, for anyone actually, they yeah. is that not uh, how many? There was a stat the other week from like the first week that Will Jordan had scored more test tries than Tommy Fakhti had scored premiership tries. So if he scored twenty eight tries in sixty eight games for Irish, I wonder how many say our wingers. Uh, have scored in total. I don't expect you to be able to find that information offhand, but you know it's that's a ridiculous stat. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's based on these on the, the stats on his Wikipedia page. I might need to I might need to verify that. Hang on. Um, but yeah, 140 points in 68 games, which obviously, it, assuming he's not kicking sticks, which you know I don't think he is. That does all be five pointers. Um, yeah, 20, uh, 28 tries in, um, in in 68 games. That's what, basically one every three games? In fact, less, less. Less is probably one every two and a bit games. But anyway, Gus Creevy's amazing. Uh, I think he's probably going to inch very quickly into cult figure status. You know, we, we, you know, if we're doing this pod in 10 years' time, that might be a player that we sort of recall and say, hey, do you remember when we had one season of Gus Creevy and he scored 12 tries for us. Cause you know, the, the, the formula is there, you know, we've got a dominant pack, which obviously we saw on, on Friday night and you've got one of the best line out pilots ever to do it really uh, available. That could be a, could be a big season for Gus Creevy fantasy owners. I think. Yeah, I know. Oh, tell me about it. My fantasy team this week. Absolutely. Do not forget to change your fantasy team at, uh, on a Friday afternoon, especially when Gloucester decide to put out Alpha team. Um, it's distressing, but uh, I digress. I completely agree with you. I think that he is just that kind of player who, with our pack, and, and it's a, it says a lot about our recruitment that when you look who's slotted in, because one of the players I wanted to pick out again was Ernst Van Rain, who just kept hitting things and brings us that dominance in the pack and the mall that. Um, I think is really, really useful for Creevy, obviously. And that really sensible recruitment over the off-season, we know where the kind of... We almost said last week, Hooker is a, a worry. You know, we said, oh, we've got Creevy, who's not back. We've got Cameron Dickey, who's injured. We've got Tommy Taylor, who is obviously injury-prone. Um, and it's almost like the squad and the whole club heard that. And when... You're talking out your ass, boys, and just put out Creevy to put in probably one of the best performances we've seen from a sail hook of quite a long time. Um, to just prove us wrong again, no, don't worry, it's all co- it's all covered, it's all sorted. Um, you know, it's it's not even a area of slight weakness. It was our best player on Friday night, so yeah, I think that's a a real sort of compliment to to what we've done in terms of the squad building. But as you say, you know. This pack is perfectly set up for Creeby to score try after try after try. So I hope we see many more of them. And and I think it adds it adds something slightly different to our game. Because obviously we always had that mole strength last season, but we used to rely on Acker being able to get over from about eight metres out through just being an incredibly low centre of gravity, having quite a good step, um, and being the most determined little South African talk you've ever seen um whereas i think creevy seems to as you talked about him being that pilot i think we're going to see more of kind of you know him managing that mall until he's ready to go and then it being quite almost an easy crash over um you know and i think as you said it wasn't like 
that try he scored was he was just at the back of the mall and it went over. He had he he chose his time to go, and I think that kind of that knowledge and experience in that area is going to be really useful for sale because I think it adds a slightly different dimension to our mall that teams will struggle to defend. And everyone has struggled to defend Augustin Grevy over the years. You've seen that. I mean, our defensive system has, so if ours does, then everyone's will. But I think to have him now in the camp is going to be a very nice change for for sale fans and um, and players to be watching him crash those over the line. So, yeah, I mean, we've gone on about Creeby as much as probably we can do without boring people, but I do think he was superb and I think we were right too. Anyone else, Lewis, that you wanted to pick out from Friday night? Just want to shout out Aaron Reedy, two tries on the on the day. Um, just you know, wet wet weather, poor conditions. You know, to to, to bag two tries, it's, it's it's exactly what you want from your wingers. That second try in particular, you know, again we we talk about it a lot, but having having that outright pace on the wings is so important because a game like Fridays. You know, a bit of a stalemate, a bit of an arm wrestle. We we got one window, uh, and it just became a case of can Aaron Reed run quicker than the, the covering defender? I think it was Mo- the Morris, the fullback, um, and he and he could, and and that was a, a five point for sale, and it really uh, really set us on our way to to winning the game. And you know, I think um, both him and Roebuck have gone reasonably well so far this year. They've, they've had a, a long run of of. Um, of starts actually, given that Tommy Flaxy's had to cover fifteen, um, and obviously you know Flaxy didn't even play uh, this weekend. Sam James stepped in at fifteen, and um, you know it's good to see you know Reed make the most of his opportunities. Um, I'm still not entirely sure what the pecking order looks like between Reed, O'Flaherty, and Roebuck, but I guess that's a nice nice problem to have. And shout out Sam James as well, you know stepping in for fifteen. Now, I've not seen him play fifteen since. What, 2016, where we basically played him everywhere. I remember a game where he started at 10 versus Toulon. Um, but yeah, again, you know, Sam James, a player that gets lost in the shuffle. You know, he's 29 now, I think, 28, 29. Um, probably only got a couple of seasons left in him, which is mental to think. So I remember him making his debut against Northampton and uh, chipping Stephen Myler. Um, I'll be that might not have been on his debut, but it's around that time. Um, but he's just a player who's just so dependable. And again, as you go late into the season, as you go late into multiple competitions, if you've got George Ford at 10, if you've got Rob Dupree at 13, um, players like Sam James being able to just jump in and, and uh, starting at 15, you know, it just allows you to move your resources, you know, elsewhere. And it means you don't have to carry, you know, three out and out fullbacks. Um, you know, you can put that money into signing, you know, another another flanker or or whatever the case may be. So yeah, shout out to Sam James. Although obviously, um, a bit a bit concerning that we're down to our fourth choice fullback already, given no no Compton, no Flaxi, no no Viano. Yeah, agreed. And Luke James is obviously injured as well, um, as far as we know. So I mean, Sam James hell of a choice to have to slot in there. Um, and I completely agree with you. I think he was described as Sale's Swiss Army knife on the commentary at one point, um, which is a very good analogy. Uh, you just put him wherever wherever you need him, and he'll he'll do a job. Um, and he he excels everywhere you put him as well. It's ridiculous. Um, 
And obviously, there's quite a lot of potential there as well. I don't think we saw it quite as much as maybe we could have done, but for that kind of second playmaker role from fullback, um, obviously it's hard when you've then got another playmaker at 13 in Rob Capria. Um, and it's raining and you just want to kick the ball to Gloucester and let them drop it and then you can score. So, um, you know, there's probably a few more things to uh, see there if that does happen again. But yeah, completely agree. I thought Sam James was, was superb and, you know, as you say, we've sort of got this embarrassment of riches at fullback now, um, with with Carpenter, James, Bianu, and for one reason or another, they're all uh, not available. So to have Sam James be able to step up is is really encouraging. And I think, you know, as you said, Aaron Reid, just that I just wanted to agree with you and say it's such a point of difference. It's what we lacked for so long is that out and out pace. And, and what him and Roebuck both bring is real, real pace and, and it troubles defenders. So I think that's, um, it's so nice to watch our attack flourish with, with that kind of threat on the outside because you just see teams having to watch him all the time. And I think, you know, Leicester the other week, he, he had a break that nearly came off. And even when he wasn't having a break, you know, because he's such a threat, people are keeping an eye on him and it's opening up gaps for other people. So it's lovely to have, as we say, you know, back three there of academy players, um, academy graduates, and you've got to enjoy them while you can because, as you've just reminded me, Sam James is, you know, not at the start of his career anymore. And uh, you know, you think back to that Northampton game. I think, I think you're right. I think it was Chip and Jason on debut. I'm sure it was. Um, you know, that that was probably what 2013. Thinking about it, so it's um, it's a long old time ago, and. Yeah, we have to appreciate Sam James while we've got him because I think we always know he's been underappreciated by everyone else and, and massively appreciated by Sale fans. But it's only when you realise that, you know, where he is in his career that there might not be that many more years to see him. Um, but I think we should be really appreciative of what he does for this team and, and he will leave a massive, massive gap when he goes. Um which I assume he will do at some point. You know, I'm not I'm assuming he's not gonna go until he's thirty eight, like Gus Creevy. So yeah, let's let's enjoy it while it lasts. Because he's still clearly got, you know, a good a hell of a few seasons in him. I'm not saying that, you know, this is the Sam James Swan song, but let's appreciate him while we've got him because yeah, five years down the track he uh he might not be in this bat line anymore and we'll be scrabbling around for someone who can play every position to premiership standard. It is it is amazing. Like you said, you just start to look at some of these players, you know, Ross Harrison in his 30s and you, you, you know, for, you know, cell fans my age and, uh, you know, around my age and, and your age as well, Alex, you know, you remember when you were sort of 18 or whatever watching these guys sort of come through for the first time. Um, and it's amazing how quickly it goes. You look at someone like Sam James, incredible player. Um, I've had a really good premiership career. We'll probably play 300 times for sale. Uh, and has never really had a sniff at an England shirt. Um, you know, and how many players are there around the Premiership who can do what he does? Um, but as much as we'd like to, you know, talk about the glory days of, of Sam James and Will Addison, Mike Haley, etc. There you go. There's some more names for you. Um, we do have to move on. And Sale have got an interesting encounter coming up next. So just to kind of give you the lay of the land uh, off the back of the of week four of the Premiership. Uh, season, you know, sales sit, you know, reasonably comfortably in third. That they are uh, 
third on 13 points, three wins out of four, as we've mentioned, behind only uh, Harlequins on 14 and Chiefs on 15. Both of those teams also having won three, lost one. Um, but they're going to travel down to uh, Ashton Gate to play Bristol. And uh, it's a Bristol team that's had a bit of a mixed bag so far. Kicked off the season in, in good nick with a, a, a pretty handy win, 25 points to 14 over Leicester. They then backed that up a week later away at Franklin's Gardens, beating uh, Northampton 33-27. Okay, great. You know, the, the Bears are back. Um, however, the last two weeks have been a little bit less kind uh, to Bristol. Uh, they got pipped at the death by, by Harlequins, 23 points to 21 at home. Uh, and they followed that up uh, over the weekend with a 29 points to 20 loss away at Exeter, who obviously, as we've mentioned, are flying high. Um, so it, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting encounter for sale, this one. Bit of a bogey team for, for a couple of years. That kind of all-out attack, high-tempo style really didn't mesh you know, particularly well with sale for a couple of years. And then there was that great sort of turning point around, I think it was 2020, 2021, where we, uh, where Sale go down and Luke James has a man of the match performance and he get the win in the rain. And then we back that up with a, with a test match game. I think this was 2021 because it was the COVID year. It was one of the first games back with crowds and it was like a test match. This is when Bristol were at the, you know, the peak of the powers and uh, Sale were uh, obviously on the up as well. An incredible game that I remember very clearly uh, in the, the, uh, Early, uh, uh, early summer sunshine, uh, but Bristol have gone on a bit of a bit of a rebuilding job, and that team from two, three years ago, the team that probably should have won the league as well before they collapsed against Harlequins, it, it's looking very different now. And just over the summer, you know, the big names Semi Randrandra uh, and Charles Pietal both left Randrandra back to France, Pietal uh, over to Japan. Um, some of the stalwarts who, who've been there for, for a good number of years and contributed to, to that team's uh, uh, coming up. Uh, guys like Henry Purdy, Andy Yorin, obviously Sam Bedlow, uh, all decided to, to move on as well. Um, but it's a Bristol team that's, uh, that's matched quality with quality. And even though they've lost um, probably two of the most recognisable players in the Premiership, they've brought in some pretty impressive Firepower. Max Malins has made his uh, uh, has made a return to Bristol. This time, Stanley got a permanent deal from Saracens. Um, Santiago uh, Gondrona has come across from Power, uh, a capped uh, Argentinian lock. Um, Bernard Yanzi van Rensburg, who, a bit like Gus Creevy, was tearing up trees for London Irish last year, has made the move uh, across uh, to the West Country. Uh, and here's some names for you: uh, Calavetti. Revovo has come across from the Fijian Drua. Arguably, the well, he was my pick for best signing of the summer. An absolutely incredible uh, 12. He's a light-for-light replacement for Randrendra. He's going he's gonna to tear things up for Bristol uh, this year. Just a really, really exciting talent. Um, and then a player that you might have heard of, uh, but one that definitely caught my eye, uh, Varimi Vakatawa, a former French international uh, centre uh, who made the move have, having been released by uh, Racing. Um, so it's a Bristol team still absolutely loaded with firepower. It's a team that's deep and has, has probably rebounded after you know a couple of a couple of poor years under under Jack Lamb. But coach the uh, management brass have, have stuck with him. Um, and it looks like Bristol's fortunes are starting to change uh, in a in a positive sense once again. 
like I said, they, they come into the, the game sixth in the table, two wins and two losses. 99 points for, 93 points against. It's been a very, very mixed, you know, very, very steady start to the season uh, for Bristol. But this is a game, probably unlike the last two or three years, that they'll definitely be targeting uh, for a chance to beat Sale. Ellis Genge is likely to be back, you know, from international duty. Cal Sinclair as well. I've obviously mentioned Grandona. Stephen Luatua is still there, uh, even if he's, again, maybe a year or two uh, off, of, off of his peak now. Um, but this is a team that that can cause some serious damage, and I guess the player to spotlight is a, is an old favourite of ours. You've already mentioned him once, uh, Alex. But AJ McGinty at, at ten, he's actually not been playing that much for them so far this season. Um, but obviously, a player who knows Sale just about as well as uh, uh, as anyone. So it's going to be, assuming all the uh, England internationals are back. It's going to be a tasty encounter um, and hopefully one that's more reflective of 2020, 2021 than maybe the last couple of years. So how do you see this one going, Alex? Because, yeah, I mean, it feels like a bit of a coin flip at the moment. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's that sort of early season game that you go, well, this could go either way. And you really don't know. I think, like you say, Bristol have had some really good performances. I think they've been on the end of some slightly unlucky results. They probably should have got a bonus point to go to sex to at the weekend. But um, another old favourite, James Williams, is, of course, playing 12 for them. Uh, I think he came uh, off the bench, missed a, a kick in the last sort of dying dying minutes, to which would have got them a losing bonus point. Um, so, you know, they, they are close and they are playing really good rugby. I think Sheedy seems to be back to his best after, you know, he's probably why he's keeping AJ out of the team. Um, Because I think he had a few years where he he struggled a little bit after getting called up to Wales and and he seems to be really getting back in and quite comfortable in that Bristol 10 shirt again. Um, They're obviously bringing, you've got Harry Randall at nine and I think he's really got a case to make for kind of, is he England's next scrum off? Because people were talking about him like that, you know, a few years ago and, and obviously, there's been Mitchell's come through and, and sort of taken that shirt for the World Cup. So, you know, there's a lot of very exciting players there that they've always had. As you said, they've added a lot of quality with to replace some of the sort of more aging quality that's gone out the door. They're a great team to watch, really exciting. Um, and they come up against a sale team that tend to like to make it really hard for them and try to shut that defensive, uh, that attacking play down with, with our defensive system. Um I'll fondly remember Dan Thomas's moody interview after we just, you know, made them look quite silly at Ashton Gate uh, back in the day, which I think was the COVID uh, Luke James man of the match occasion. Um, it's it's a really interesting game because Sale aren't just the defensive team we used to be. We're not just going to shut them down and, and knock over a few points and and go for that. We have got an attack and we have got an exciting style of play and we are on averse to throwing it around um, and that will offer opportunities for Bristol and they equally will offer those opportunities to us and when we've got, as we talked about before, the pace of Reed and Robux hopefully strike when those opportunities come. That will be a really important battle and, and I think it's the kind of game that could go down to one error either way might decide the result. Um, away from home is a big, big challenge for us. Ashton Gate's obviously a very good stadium to, for Bristol to be playing in. I am feeling relatively confident that Sale are going to put in a good performance. 
I don't know whether that's going to be enough because, you know, Leicester, who have probably been one of the, apart from the game against us, Leicester have put in some really impressive performances this season. And I think they got absolutely tonked by Bristol on opening night. And so that it could be that kind of game. It could be the kind of game where Sale's defence really frustrates Bristol and, and it ends up becoming quite aggy as a result. I feel like that's always been the, the ag between us and Bristol is that we don't let them play their game and that frustrates them. And then all of a sudden it becomes a, you know, uh, we have to get under their skin and wind them up and, and it creates a bit of animosity, which is always fun. I think that this Sale team are well-placed to do that neutralise that Bristol threat. Defence has been good this season, apart from Exeter, which was a very different style of play to Bristol's. So that's a, I feel optimistic, but as you said, it's it does feel like a toss of a coin. It does feel like the bounce of a ball might decide it. And if it goes one way, it'll be Bristol. And if it goes the other way, it'll be Sale. And Bristol are much more of a threat this season, I think, than they have been for the last couple of seasons to Sale. I think the last couple of seasons, they've been in a real rut. They've been struggling for form. After that, um, sort of Harlequin semi-final, they seem to that seemed to really knock them. I don't think it did, but you know, the, the, there's been a downturn since then, and I think the rebuild that they're doing now is probably quite encouraging for them. And they're certainly picking up the right kind of player, and and you know, got rid of probably the the super big names for still big names, but you know, Bakatau will have come in at a decent. He's, he's not going to be paid a million quid a year like Piatel was because he um, can't play in France anymore. So it's sensible and, and sort of quite cute pickups there in, in the sort of transfer market, as you will. In terms of predictions, I'm actually moving on to that. I feel like this might be a sale win. And it's really close and I'm having to sort of argue with myself in my head here but I think Sale might edge it by two points it's going to be really close if we do win it and I wouldn't be surprised if Bristol won it so I will say Bristol 23 Sale 25 I think it's going to be tense and it's going to be tight but I just back us to get over the line after that Gloucester game I think we've obviously got those internationals with a game under their belt coming back in we've got a really good rest from Friday night uh, game against Gloucester so yeah, I'm going to sail by the skin of our teeth. What about you, Lewis? What are your thoughts out of the game and predictions? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, for, for, for just pure firepower, it's going to be really difficult. You know, Yanzi van Rensburg versus Sam Bedlow, I think it's going to be a really good test. Like, no disrespect to Sam Bedlow, who I think has kind of come in and done the the job that we thought Sam Hill was going to do. But when, when, when I saw that signing come through the wire, I was a bit like... I sort of shrugged my shoulders a bit like whatever. Like Sam Badlow seems like a decent premiership player, but how big of a, is that drop-off going to be between him and Tuolangi? You know, to his credit, he's proven me wrong. He's looked like a really effective premiership 12 uh, in a way that I probably hadn't anticipated. But this is the big test now, right? Yanzi van Rensburg, who's just been in unbelievable form for, you know, he's, uh, for, for Irish. He's been playing like Andre uh, Esterhazen was a couple of years ago. Um, that's going to be a massive test. You know, Vakatawa against Rob Dupria, you know, in the 13 channel, massive test. You know, uh, Gabriel Ibatoye has come back from, from Israel, uh, of, 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 uh, of all places, playing for the Tel Aviv Heat. Um, he's come back and looked like an incredible form. 
Um, you know, and he's going to be a test, you know, for Aaron Reed or Tom Roebuck. And you kind of go up and down the list, and you could easily see this Bristol team, yeah, putting putting you know some some good performance, uh, some good uh, phases together, and scoring a lot of points. That being said, I'm not too threatened by their back five. You know, uh, Fitzharding's good player, Bradbury, good player, but you know, Caulfield, who they've, they've brought in from, I think it was London Irish as well. Uh, and Batley in the in the second row, I think Sales should have the edge there with with Johnny Hill and, and a Jean Luc Dupree type. I think you know if we're able to bring in uh, you know one of the Curries, you know probably Tom can can start. You know I think we should have the edge at the breakdown. I think that's an area where Sales should really get dominance, um, especially if you know Genji and Sinclair aren't playing either. You know you look at the team that they rolled out last week against Exeter, and it's you know that that backline looks pretty good, but the the forward part looks like a uh, you know, a shade or two off. So, look, I think Sale will win, um, but I think it's going to be close, and I think it's going to be a fair fair amount of points in this one. So I'm going to say Bristol 25, Sale 30. I think the the reality is this might be a game where we see a lot of uh, a lot of goal kicking from George Ford and Rob Dupree, and that's what gets us over the line on top of our forward pack. And I think, you know, we might see a good number of tries scored for for both teams. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, Callum Sheedy versus George Ford. I know who I'd be picking in a World Cup final. Uh, Johnny Hill, you know, versus what what Bristol can can roll out in the second row. Again, like I know where in those key decisions, I know where uh, I know where I'm putting my money. And of course, we've got Gus Creevy uh, who can play another eighty minutes. So I don't really know what Bristol can counter counter. Uh, against that, so yeah, so uh, sell wins all round, I think. But this this one should be a belter, and and hopefully, I'm going to keep saying it, and I'll say it every week until it happens. This is the one that's going to f- maybe feel like test test match quality. There's enough talent on both sides. Genge, Sinclair, Curry, they should all be back. This is one that I think could really pop off for, for Premiership in in a you know first few weeks. That's, that's maybe been a little bit low on the uh, on the you know the uh, the thrill scale for for sale fans. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the exciting thing that, you know, all of these um, all these games now, like we said, in this 10-team friendship are, are exciting games. And that's, uh, it's good to have the challenge. You don't want to be going too confident every week and rolling people over. But also, we are in a position as fans where we can be super confident in this sale team and, and what they can do now. So, um yeah, it's a lot of positivity going into this, carrying on in this season now. So that's the exciting thing, and and hopefully we can come away from from a really tough place to go in Bristol away with with a win, and and that's a, you know, we're going then into I think our home game against Newcastle, who have had a pretty horrible start to the season, God bless them, um, and you know we we could be in a really good league position by um, by the time the first break comes around for for Europe, whenever that is uh, in sort of December time. So. That's um, yeah. It's uh, it's an exciting game. It's a big game, but it's hopefully going to be a really entertaining one as well. Absolutely. So that's the pod for this week. Thank you to everyone who put up with uh, our trip down memory lane a little bit earlier. Thank you to everyone who's obviously been uh, engaging with us on uh, on on Twitter as well. Um, and yeah, that, that's about it, Alex. Anything from from your side? I really want to keep talking about players from. 2011 to 2015 but I, I know we do have to wrap the pod up at some point maybe we'll do that during the uh 
during the Six Nations break. Let's just talk about some players that we really enjoyed watching. Yeah, we can start casting our minds back to the... the uh, I don't know, can, can Sail Sharks have a banter era? I don't know, maybe that is our... I don't think it can be, though, because that was sort of Sipper's time. But I do remember Danny Cipriani kicking it out against Exeter when we were six points down at home and there being some uh, some grief coming his way. So, yeah, let's get into that at some point. That'll be enjoyable. No, one, uh, anything else? Sorry, mate. Oh, I've well, got one final question for you. So I'm yeah. about it. Is Gus Creevy the first Argentinian player to play for us since the Lobbies? He probably is. We had Tukile at fullback, um, but I think Lobe, I think Juan Fernandez Lobe left after him. Um, I'm trying to think of other Argentinian players, but I am struggling for any in the kind of interim period. Yeah. We had a couple of Italians. I think you might be right. Yeah. You might be right. Because Tukile is still playing, actually. He's playing for the Swansea Yeah, Valley. which is mad. He he played for Sale and was like decent, but went back to France and then turned up in the Argentina team about three years later. Um, and in like that world beating Argentinian team. So um yeah, I remember not thinking it was the same player and being quite surprised when it was. Um sorry, mate, I've I've completely interrupted you there. Uh, no, no, don't you... worry. That's not... Enjoy. If, if any listeners can think of any more Argentinians who played for us in the interim, please do get in touch because, uh, as you can tell from us forgetting about Rowan Jansi van Rensburg, our, our brains aren't working quite as fast on a Monday morning as perhaps they should be. Um, now, I don't think there's anything else for us to cover. Um, the rest of Northwest Rugby is not having the best time, but I believe in FC, Sale FC, who have had a shocking start to the season to come back and um, yeah we'll chat a bit more about Sail Sharks women as well as the season get, if we move towards the start of the proper season uh, I think we're still in the cup stage so yeah Sail Sharks carrying the flag as they continue to do for Northwest Rugby excited for a game against Bristol and we'll look forward to chatting about hopefully a Sail win at Ashton Gate next week